Hi, I'm Gary Brown. I draw The Massive and Catwoman. Uh, you're listening to 11 O'Clock Comics. <laughs> Nice. Libations are flowing. TMI. <laughs> Little bit. Okay. I guess in light of that last revelation, I should be very thankful that the profile pick is just what we're seeing here and not something else. Living large. Well, yeah. Dude, you know how Six years. Yeah, because I pay attention. That's to the it is. It's because it's a Windows machine. Those things are built to last. Right. right. Hey, Dad. <laughs> Yo. It was the most redonkulous thing, though. So I go to try and configure Google as my default search, you know? Right. And the motherfuckers try and trick you on the, the Edge browser, you know, which is the... I guess. Oh, yep. I that. Yeah. So, yeah. so I'm like, all right. I'm like, well, I'm gonna see if I can figure this out. So it turns out that when you go into the settings of the Edge browser, and you go to like change my search, and you click on it, all that's listed is Bing. There's nothing. Else. Yeah. You have to go through the browser and search for another search engine, and then it'll say it's discovered the other search engine. Yeah. 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 We uh, who, we try who to uses say Bing besides Grandma. Does anyone use Bing? I don't think. I don't think so. I don't even think the people at Redmond use Bing. The uh there were <laughs> we like, pretty the much Bing. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Amazing Spider-Man number one. The uh we fucking uh we, we try to disable Edge. On I unpin it from every fucking taskbar on campus. I, Is I there, do you have issues with it? Yes, it's not uh it's not compatible with Blackboard or um PeopleSoft or it's not a uh, it's not a supported browser yet. We're we're allowing people to use it. But if they call and say that, you know, the, the website doesn't look right or, or I can't, I, I can't print from it. It's, it's not supported. We recommend one of the other browsers, but we don't want to, especially if we have any programming classes going on and they're trying to make websites for all the browsers, then we need to have the browsers available so they can test shit. But, um, yeah, I, I fucking hate it. So is it, it's different from I, from Internet Explorer? <clears throat> Oh, oh yeah. yeah. And you, I mean, you still have Internet Explorer. You can hit up Cortana and still and start typing in Internet and Explorer will be there. So what's the, why, why would they create a new second browser? I don't get it. Because it's, it's, um, it doesn't, uh, I believe it doesn't support Flash. So it's just like HTML5 or whatever, but it's, uh, the whole operating system with the tiles and shit is designed for tablets. So Edge looks good on a tablet. Ah, I see. But okay. it and and ten really isn't designed for. They should have made an an enterprise or business edition of Windows mm-hmm. Ten. And it, it, it's there are there's professional and home and enterprise, but but there isn't anything that's catered so that you could kind of. It's there's going to be an anniversary release coming out in July, which will probably fix some of the problems we've been having. But um, it it wasn't ready for prime time when they released it. Well, Why as you know, my old computer had two gigs of RAM and would basically lock up on me after every half hour of working on it. So to uh, have 16 gigs of RAM is pretty dope. Yeah. Long dong. Hey, everybody. It's 11 O'Clock Comics, episode 422. 
And I'm Vince B. You are, man. I am so glad you're with us tonight, Vince. I am David A. Price. Well, if I had my way, I would be with y'all last night. Oh, but snap. Somebody. Somebody has to work business for a business. Word. Somebody business. stirred up the pot. Somebody yeah. enjoys their job. Who? <laughs> well, <laughs> show me who. Uh, <laughs> and I'm Enzo Amore, and you can't teach that. You soft. <laughs> no, you're not. Well, I don't, no, but I'm that's not, okay. I'm not into big cast. Mm. Nah, you're Jason Wood. Jason Wood. You guys are a mess tonight, and I don't really care. <laughs> because, because. It is. It's we're revitalized. And if you would like to get your books for a fraction of what the other guys are paying, all you gotta do is go to Discount Comic Book Service, dcbservice.com, where you can get your favorite funny books and collectibles at a mere pittance of what everybody else is paying. Fraction, a little tiny bit. They have everything in the previews catalog. They'll ship it right to your door, and you can order from the comfort of your own home. Obviously, you can tell by uh, my delivery here that the list of specials is not up yet for the month. The previews just came out. So it takes them a little bit of time to survey the landscape and see what they want to give you at spectacular discounts. But rest assured, those discounts will be many and they will be plentiful and they will be deep. I messed that up, but that's okay. So go to our sponsor and save DCBService.com. The absolute best, hands down. No question. I'm not lying when I'm saying it. No, you're Vince. What are we drinking? My boy's got some grape over there, apparently. Yes. He could be lying. No, I'm drinking. Uh, you know, I told you we've been part of this little wine club for a little while now. Yeah. yeah. Right Cellars. <laughs> and uh, this is a bottle from that uh, latest shipment. It is a table wine. It's a blend. It's called Ruby Vine. It's a California blend. And uh, I just took the first sip of it, and it's uh, not too bad. It's smooth. Is that laptop got one of them big industrial fans on him? Why? Wow. What? You don't hear it? No. Ooh, sounds oh, sounds like I do. You're, I do, yeah. Sounds like you're at an airport. Wait, really? Yeah. I don't hear anything. Ooh. Hmm. Yeah, it's like all industrial. Oh, my bad. That's my DVD player ripping a disc. <laughs> no, I don't have, <laughs> doesn't even have doesn't even have a DVD player. <laughs> it's all in the cloud. It's like, yeah. I got my five and a quarter inch floppy drive right here. <laughs> I, got, I got no idea what's going on. <laughs> well, we, we love you. Said, no, that was today. Because you were gone on us. David and I were having a great time talking comics, sending messages back and forth, and all of a sudden, Jason pops up. Hey, how about that wrestling? It's like, okay. David's into it. Let's be out. <laughs> of course David's into it. See, you know. You know how to lure him away from me. That's your. That was your, your game. Oh, I like that, Andy. You play well. Jeez, that's that's messed up. You know what I'm re- I'm drinking here? What are you? I am drinking an old favorite. Pepe Mac. Oh, no, it's good. Oof. It really is like it's five years ago. Seriously. Huh. What are you drinking, David? Uh I'm trying something new tonight. Um The flavor is for you, Vince, but um the the, the title is kind of the mood I'm trying to set for tonight, but it is, uh, ambience. It's, uh, Bell Ambiance, Family Ooh. Vineyards, 
from California, and it is Cabernet Sauvignon. Oh, awesome. It's pretty tasty. I'm surprised. I bet. I got to get me some red. I, all we have is white. No. And I, I'm not having it. So, yeah, there's a white. Cannot drink the white. No. Instant headache. Yeah. Yeah. And we don't, like we don't have any shrimp. Any shrimp. Any shrimps? Any shrimps? Shrimps. Okay. I have been jonesing to talk about this book. And I know for a fact, I've just been alerted to this fact by Jason a couple seconds ago, minutes ago, that he had, in fact, read it too. And so we were waiting for, we got to talk about this rebirth, number one. Uh, so we should, obviously this is a hot, hot comic, and there was a lot of controversy about spoiling this comic. Was there? Oh my god, yeah. So, uh, we should let we're people get, know. We're, we're yeah, spoil we're, we're deep. Yeah. So, maybe fast forward uh, some period of time if you don't want to be spoiled. I didn't, I didn't know there was like restrictions placed on this book. No, no, there what? wasn't restrictions. It was that... Um, First, I don't know the whole story because I wasn't paying too much attention, but I know that Rich Johnston got in a lot of heat for spoiling it, but then I guess apparently other sites also spoiled it, and it was all because DC wanted the sites to spoil it, but yeah. I don't know. Some whole thing, but I guess a lot of people ended up getting spoiled about the book. Oh, well, I did not. I went into it fresh. Did uh, yeah, It was good. Awesome. All right. Um, I guess we should preface whatever we say with the fact that we were all down with the new 52 for the most part when the books first came out. Right? We, were, we, I mean, we, we gave it a chance. I don't want to say we were down because. No, we, I mean, we were, we were receptive we, to the we, fact we that they were. Right. Yeah. Sure. And, and we, we did a, a, a number of episodes just on the new 52. Oh, yeah. We, we read all the first and second issues around there and then we we you know we picked our favorites and we ran with those and some we only the, got to read eight issues of yeah the luster kind of kind of faded and and things progressed as they did and dc was in in dire straits for a period of time they weren't selling much and losing readers you know how it goes and so they uh decided to shake things up and this is what they came up with Re- well specifically jeff johns and um I like to poop on Mr. Johns as much as the next guy. But I have to admit that I thoroughly and completely enjoyed this issue. You did. Um, I, I, did. I even overlooked some obvious uh, visual yes, shortcomings. Yes, you did. That, it was very hard for me to look. And obviously, Jason, since he mentioned it off the air, but um, yeah, the, there, there were some things we had to, there were some hurdles to get over it at, at, at the start of the issue. I, yes, there have been times where, um, maybe not as severe as you, Vince, but I've, I've not been all that hot with what Mr. Johns will write. Yeah. He, he is, I mean, he does have, um, there will always be, something there because he brought Hal back. So it's not like uh-huh. I'm, I'm just, oh, sh- well, it's always an adventure. It is. Unfortunately, uh, David is having issues with his power again. We launched into a, a 
what was supposed to be a pretty in-depth look at uh, DC's Rebirth, number one, and Justice League 50 and Superman 52, uh, by way of that, but um, unfortunately, David's power went kablooey, and he no longer can connect. So, it is the boy, yes, sir, and myself driving the bus yes. for now. Right. Let's 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 hope things get uh, back to normal, and David comes on. Then we'll talk about rebirth all night long. But um, I know David was very excited about it, as were both uh, Jason and myself. Sure. So we're going to put that on hold for a little while to say it was really great, yes. but we'll get we'll get really into it. When when uh, David comes back, because we got to be certain about this. Yep. Let's be positive. Yep. David's coming back. So uh, so well, uh, actually, and I wanted to do this, and I'm glad we in a way that we got to restart because wanted to send a quick uh, happy birthday week to our boy Mario. Who? Mario. Oh, Mario. Yeah, uh, yeah it's his birthday. Yes. <laughs> I love Mario. Yeah. We like to give him a, a, a little bit of the crap. Because we love him so much, sure. but so happy, happy birthday, Mario! And also, uh, shout out to Reed, uh, Reed Pop specifically for being gracious enough to uh, to afford the three of us press uh, access to New York Comic Con for the eighth consecutive year. Come on, son! They know where their bread is. Oh, I know what's up. I'm just trying to be magnanimous. Yeah, you know? yeah. We we do them a service, and they do us one too. Uh, that's the kind, of, the kind I look forward to every now, year. Now, did you, were you, uh, I know you were busy, so, but were you paying attention at all to my, uh, Twitter flame war with Rich Johnson? I was, I paid a little bit of attention to it, uh, and from what I can, I gathered from, uh, what you both were going on about, I think you are completely correct. I appreciate that. No, I do. I don't have, uh, as much love for the man as, J- as David does. Well, so I said I was going to talk about it on the show tonight simply because, and since since I said I was going to, I feel compelled to, although I'll try and keep it brief because most people probably don't give a damn. Um, you don't have to now. <laughs> you could talk about it for the whole episode. No, that's true. No, but here's the synopsis. Um, I have never been uh, an anti-Rich Johnson guy. Like, I, I guess sort of like David, I've always kind of taken him with a grain of salt, thinking he's a he's a, a gossipier, a gossip columnist and... Uh, Ambulance chaser. Yeah, and he's and to full disclosure for people listening, he has been very nice to us. Uh, in sure, Britain. we've seen him at the last few New York Comic Cons. He knows us. He listens to the show. He has, uh, you know, again been very approachable and can come up to talk to us. And uh, we even had agreed, although we haven't followed through on it, to have him on the show because um, he said he would be happy to. And we thought it might be fun to have him on. But um, I have to say that I think I perhaps misjudged him in a pretty significant way. And in retrospect, um, some of the quote unquote revelations that I'm going to speak to clearly were on just my end of not realizing that he's taken this position publicly for a long time. So really more about me not knowing where the dude is coming from than, uh, than, than me being like discovering that he was, uh, uh, disingenuous. So the, the issue is simply that, um, Tony Harris, who is, a uh, you know, Call him what you will, but Tony has been uh, at the root of many people's ire, myself included, for spending a better part of the last six years defrauding his fans through a number of different campaigns to raise money for a book called Round Eye that um, is a creator and book which he has been trying to get published for a long time. And it was most notably uh, a Kickstarter that he successfully funded and raised uh, over $12,000. 
and the book never came out. And he kept making excuses that it was going to be an image, and then it wasn't. It was going to be Dark Horse, and it wasn't. Then it was going to be somewhere else, and it wasn't. And then he contended he had financial issues, and, and so forth, so on. And then, about a month ago, maybe maybe two, three weeks ago, he launched a GoFundMe campaign. Now, those of you who aren't familiar with crowdsourcing, uh, Kickstarter is cool because it only takes your money if the campaign is successfully funded. So if you're trying to raise 40000 to make a new teleportation device, and it's going to take the 40000 to make it, if you don't raise the 40000 or more, nobody has to pay you the money. And the reason that Kickstarter does that is because, let's say you're inventing a, a teleporter and you think it costs forty grand. Well, if you raise thirty and they let you have it, then you're kind of almost guaranteeing that it's going to be a debacle, right? Because you don't have enough money to do what you needed to do, and you have all these people's money. So the idea of Kickstarter has always been, all right, how much do you actually need to raise to make the project a reality? And only if you raise that or more are you going to get funded. So I, I like that model. Still doesn't keep people from doing what like Tony did and acting like a scumbag and taking the money and never producing something. But at least there's some measure of accountability. GoFundMe is a bit different. GoFundMe, you can create campaigns for anything, just like Kickstarter. But it's a more conventional tip jar revenue mechanism. So if you have a $25,000 GoFundMe campaign and you raise $8,000, you get the $8,000. And as a result, not surprisingly, lots and lots of GoFundMe campaigns go horribly wrong. Because again, if someone needs $25,000 to do something and they raise eight. They still need to come up with 17 on the, in other ways to get it done. They never get it done, and it's a whole debacle. So so Tony Harris, who basically spent the better part of six years defrauding his fans, raised a GoFundMe campaign contending that James Robinson, his partner in Starman, was now on board as the writer of Round Eye and was asking to raise $100,000 to pay for himself and others to produce this book. And he, Rich, now what that has to do with Rich Johnston is, Rich Johnson on Bleeding Cool posted that Round Eye was back and for real this time. And part of it was that he had said he had come up with an agreement with Tony. Tony had asked him to be the exclusive news source for all things Round Eye, that, that Rich would get exclusivity to everything, all the updates, that he would provide a platform for Tony to interact with fans about the issues, all of that sort of thing. And he posted a bunch of pages that were supposed to be finished pages and proof that the book was finally happening. Well, um, a lot of people began putting two and two together and realizing that uh, things were not all that they seemed. And there's a uh, another rather spurious, controversial, comics-related news uh, 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 website called The Outhouse, which I don't go to almost ever, but uh, someone posted uh, to me a link to a thread uh, in The Outhouse about this very campaign and what a duplicitous double standard uh, Rich was taking with this because long story short uh, or maybe long story long as the case may be um, Tony got a lot of pushback as you might expect on this $100,000 campaign especially because as it appears the images that, that were being put forth in Rich's column as to being new images were in fact shown to have been images that were at least six years old Oof. so non so he, he basically was pure, purely again trying to defraud people um and so I don't know what was the final straw that broke the camel's back, but Harris went into hiding. He closed his all of his social media accounts. He took the GoFundMe campaign, campaign down completely. 
Um, and then what was strange is, since Rich was supposed to be the source for all things round eye, I went to Bleeding Cool, like many others, to see Rich's, as you would expect, update about this very salacious, gossipy thing, because that's, after all, what Rich is all about. And lo and behold, I found no reference to it. I searched on Bleeding Cool, I searched Google, couldn't find a single mention of Round Eye on Rich's site. So I used the Wayback Machine, which is, you know, that that uh, caching arc. Right. And then I found yeah. it. So what had happened is Rich took the article down as though it never existed. And I think that's hella shady. I personally yes. think as a journalist, that's fucking really shady. Yes. So I, because I knew I was going to rip Tony Harris a new one on our show, we have a reasonable to very large audience, depending on how you segment the world. Um, I like, I felt prudent to give Rich a chance to respond to directly as to why he removed the article. So I asked him on Twitter, Hey Rich, uh, any care to comment as to why you removed the article about Round Eye from the site? And Rich wrote back, because Tony asked me to. Ah. And I said, okay. I said, well, don't you find that a little, um, don't you find that a little strange considering that, you know, you are a site that is all about sort of unearthing, you know, the salacious details of the comic industry? And, uh, it kind of went back and forth and essentially I said, I, I, uh, I said, you know, as a journalist, I would think that you would have a little more integrity. And he wrote and said, I have no integrity. And I was like, oh, wow, that's that's a pretty disturbing thing to, to say about oneself. I said, I guess I've misjudged you. And he said, well, you're confusing me with a journalist. I'm not a journalist. That's a profession. And I so I, I posted a, a link from the dictionary that said, a journalist is someone who makes a living collecting, creating, or disseminating information to the public. And I said, is that, is this not you? Is this not an apt description of the way you make a living? And he said, again, you're confusing me with a journalist. And I said, but the definition of journalist is, is what I just posted. And you do that. And he said, well, that's not how I define it. So I posted a definition. So in case there was a little bit of an English American barrier here, I posted a definition of journalist from the Oxford English Dictionary. And as you might imagine, it wasn't very different. And in essence was the same. And he said, I'm not a journalist. I've never claimed not to be biased. And I said, that's pretty fucked up. And I said, well, what would you describe yourself then as? And he said, I'm a reporter. <laughs> and I said, oh. <laughs> So I posted uh, a link to the thesaurus that said reporter and journalist are synonyms. And, uh, it was, you know, basically like a little bit of a, of a cat chasing its, chasing its own tail because clearly he wasn't going to acknowledge right. my point of view. But I just was really, I just found it very hard to stomach because, you know, Rich does make a living and takes a lot of flack for posting anything that is remotely controversial if he thinks it'll be newsworthy. And right. what could be and, more newsworthy and, than this a-hole trying a $100,000 campaign and having blow up in his face, right? Right, right. I give Rich um, a certain amount of credit because for all of the muckraking that he, he tends to do, he does uncover the unscrupulous... Um, artists in, in, in quotes who are, you know, making money off the work of others. Those guys sure. that will take a panel from a comic and sell yes. it, you know, redraw it slightly and sell it as their own work. Like that's extremely wrong. Um, and, and Rich will expose those guys, which is great. And he, he has done that repeatedly and bravo to him for doing yeah. that. But 
there is a component of that which is sensationalism. Yes. And so it fits in with the, the, the modus operandi of, of, of bleeding cool. So that is on the one hand, I caress the guy. Oh, you're doing some, some really fine work. But on the other hand, you know how I feel about the truth. That's my thing. You know, like the truth, truth is everything to me. There was only one reason why he removed that article. And that was to extinguish the truth. Exactly. And that's that, and that's where I got mad. That's right. That doesn't float with me. Right. My thing was, look, if, if, and, and as I've come to understand, I guess they're boys. So, and, and I, you know, and even that, I wish he had just said, Tony's my boy. He's going through a lot of stuff and I didn't want to be a part of it. That would have been fine. If you leave the original article up, right? Warts and all, let the, let the truth be known. Amend it. All it would have taken was one line. And look, I, we, I wouldn't call us journalists because we don't make a living from what we do here. Although we do <laughs> disseminate a lot of information and opinion. Yeah, um, we try. But even us, I mean, you know, I'm not going to name the scenario because, but you may recall when, when our forums were hot and heavy for a bunch of years, um, there was a situation where a friend of ours, who's still our close friend, posted something totally in passing, a rant about a certain artist in our forum, thought nothing of it because it's a forum, and as a result of that, apparently it came back that that artist saw the comment and that cost our friend from being able to get art from that artist. And our friend then said, hey, can you remove the post? Like it was already, the damage was already done, but he was like, I, you know, I don't want to ever have this situation come up again, so can you remove the post? And I don't know if you remember, but we debated it and we opted not to remove the post. Yeah. And, you know, look, I, I'm not saying that was even the right decision. It's our boy, maybe we should have. Maybe we were being a little too self-serious at the time. But it would have been no different than what Rich is doing. But now that's what I'm saying, Harris. right? So, and, and right. we're not a journal, like, and that was a minor little, like, and that was, and, and, and this was a thing where Rich was using the story to gain page views and generate revenue. Sure. And it just rubbed me the wrong way. Cause like you said, I mean, you can hate Rich for being a rumor monger or a gossipy guy, but for the most part, he hides behind the fact that he, lets the world know anything he finds out words and all. So it just seems like incredibly dishonest to then try and remove all record of the fact that your boy was doing something that by any account was like not just shady, but borderline fraudulent, you know? And look, I, I caveat emptor, um, you know, like I, I don't know Tony Harris personally. I, I'm sure plenty of people may know him and say he's a good guy. Maybe he's gone through a lot of hard stuff. I've heard he had some very big financial difficulties, whatever. But I don't have a lot of sympathy because I don't see how the evidence doesn't point to a dude that's been unbelievably dishonest and taken fans' money with the intent to never deliver the product. Right. And that's just horrible. Like, I can't – and, you know, and I know you come at it from even – I mean, you, for you, art, as you see, you have a tattoo that says art is everything. Yes. And I am a capitalist. Everyone knows what I do for a living. I am probably more than most people that you come across, one could say, in a world about making money and an almighty dollar. But I don't think it should ever come in the way of your, your scruples or the people that you know and love. And you could say, like, well, this, these are his fans, not his friends. But you know what? Comics is a small, incestuous world, and your fans and your friends are pretty similar. And a lot of these people that are your fans because they feel some kind of camaraderie toward you. 
especially if they're going to give you money for something. So I just think the whole thing was a bunch of shady bullshit. And, yeah, and you know, yeah, and look for, and as for me, and, and I guess the, the after effects of this were because it was on Twitter, it got a lot of attention and a lot of people were like, Oh, bravo, so forth, so on. And I was like, I'm not looking for a pound on the back here. Um, but I will say that like a lot of people then subsequently said like, Oh, Rich has been hiding behind that. I'm not a journalist thing for 15 years. So my bad for not realizing that. Like I didn't realize that was his, his shtick. So that's on me for not knowing that's kind of the position he's always taken. Um, and it does give him a lot of cover. Um, but you know, and, and, but needless to say, I mean, for me, like I have, I mean, whatever passing interest I had to occasionally go to his site is now lost because I just, I just don't think, I, right. I just don't think he's a good man. Right. Well, that's yeah. the thing uh, for me. Um, as soon as you're caught choosing sides, if you're in the business of, um, impartial, to a certain, to, to a, a great extent. If, if what you're basing the thing that you do on of, uh, an impartiality and you take sides like that, it casts a, 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 a light on everything you've done up until that date. So I don't really know if I can take any of those stories. I mean, that, that goes without yeah. saying, but take any of the stories that he puts up on there as, as, as being legit or because now he has, he has chosen, yeah. he has taken sides, but, uh, I, you know, and I live my life by, by one, one rule. The truth always, always comes out. It may take a day. It may take a year, 10 years. The truth will always bubble to true. the surface. So why, why can you pretend otherwise? Right. Don't, don't, don't. It, it, it's going to happen. And to say that you're not a journalist when clearly what you do is journalism. Exactly. And that was the thing. I mean, as a- just because you say it's not this way, you know, you, you, you cannot, you cannot rewrite the truth. It's there. Sure. It's true. Um, on completely other cool news, I don't know if you saw if they put, I saw it actually on our, on our Facebook group, which is the 11 o'clock comics group on Facebook. If people want to join, um, <laughs> But how cool is it that uh, I guess at Midtown Comics there was a bunch of people waiting last night for the midnight release of Rebirth? Yeah. And freaking Jeff Johns and Scott Snyder walked up and down the streets handing out free pizzas to everybody. That I would take a piece. But how cool is that? It was. Well, I know you, you take two pieces because we have our annual uh, dollar pizza <laughs> stop for lunch. <laughs> That pizza's great. <laughs> but no, I thought that was a really neat touch. Yeah. Uh, two of the, two of the biggest guns in, in the DC arsenal just handing out pizza. And how That's crazy cool. is it to think that we are probably, by the time New York Comic Con rolls around, our boy and, uh, and our no apologies, uh, boy, uh, Tom King is likely to be ascending to that similar place on the throne. I know, right? Did you, uh, in the back of the, um, the rebirth where they, yeah. they put, they're doing the covers. What does it say about Tom? Uh, rising superstar or something like that? I, yeah, what? I really, you know, I, I, I would bet he's going to, uh, I want to get, I want to get it exactly. I would bet he's going to win it. Uh, he's going to get a, a, a Neisner nom for, um, for the vision. Oh, sure. Or wait, did the Eisner noms already come out? Wait, they might have already come out. I, I don't know. I don't know. But what, he'll, that might sound he'll stupid get... in retrospect. They might already be out. You don't ever sound stupid. Mm-hmm. He'll, he'll, um, he'll get something. What is it? Uh, where is? The, oh, I know where it is now. It's in the the text listing in the back. Uh, 
uh, up and coming superstar Tom King. It's like, wow. Yeah, crazy. Snyder, Snyder hands over the reins to up and coming superstar. By the way, it looks like Dap is not going to be a part of this. He's, uh, powers out until 1 a.m. Oh my goodness. All right. Rebirth. Let's talk. <laughs> <laughs> what, what, well, I presume that's not all you read this week. No, I actually read a sizable amount of comics this week. your boy then. Yeah, holla at you. Oh, wait, have we ever done an episode, just the two of us, in our eight years together? Just the two of us. Um, I don't believe we How have. Crazy is that? It's very crazy. I've done just episodes with Niesman. I've done just episodes with Dap. I know you've done episodes with just Dap, because I've missed more episodes probably than both of you combined. The truth uh, comes out. Well, busy man. <laughs> uh, I wear lots of hats. <laughs> I'm like the Joker. It's three of me. Uh... So oh, we're gonna sneak it in somehow, aren't we? <laughs> <laughs> I think that's a very good idea. I love it. Cesar Romero. It. It's no, it's dripping with, with with high concept meta. It's very yeah. cool. I like that. Um, but speaking of crazy, I read an entire essential for this Get week. Out of here. I did. I did. And, I, and you know what? I, I, um, how do I put this? My enjoyment of this book alternated bef- between giddy euphoria. Okay. And I, it, it, I cannot read one more page of this damn thing. What? Yes. Um, it, it fluctuated. Uh, it's a, it was a very strange time for comics. Uh, I believe this, the first issue of this run came out in, uh, 83, I believe. So we're talking 60 cent cover price, which may or may not have been the best time consider, considering when you first got into comics. Uh, it's the essential defenders. Oh, what's my sh- Volume seven. Oh. Now this is the end of the run. Yeah. This, this, uh, this part of this, they're running on fumes, uh-huh. but um, it contains. Do you not have uh, Marvel Unlimited? I like paper. No, I know you. Uh, okay, but you don't. You yeah, don't you know. No, I don't. Um, this contains uh, Defenders one twenty six to one thirty nine. I, I own all. I think I own. I own like two thirds of the of the Defenders. Yeah, me too. Um, and it also includes the Iceman miniseries which is awesome and the beauty and the beast oh nice no beauty and the beast is a horrible unreadable should never have been published no No, it's terrible dude i I, i'm i'm rarely wrong and this is not i agree that you're rarely wrong this happens to be one of those moments though no, it's horrible. It's unreadable. No, it is not. Yes, Beauty and the Beast is terrible. Dude. It's, no, it starts off with, with, first of all, Dazzler. All right, say no more, right? The, not, the best. not one of my favorite. Dude, what do you have against X-Women? You're such a racist. I don't know. I don't know, but, but Dazzler's trying to restart her, reignite, I should say, her career. And it's just, it, there's no attraction for me. It's, it's Hank McCoy on vacation. Amazing. He is. I do like Hank. And I have, I have to admit, the beast in the defenders is far more 
enjoyable for me to read. The Beast, Defenders and Avengers Beast, love them. Once he gets into the X-Men, they lose me. I don't know why. You just hate the X-Men. I don't think Hank belongs in the X-Men, regardless of his origins, but whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, so the the star of this book is by far J.M. DeMatteis. By far, his stories are amazing. They're so much fun. It starts off with the Professor Power storyline. Mm-hmm. Do, you, do you remember that? Where Professor Power had a son. And I guess it was covered in the pages of Marvel Team-Up. Um, something happened to the kid where Professor X had to step in and try and bring him back from, from the brink uh, mentally. And um, Professor X failed. Mm-hmm. And so the kid was basically a vegetable, and Professor Power uh, switched bodies with his son, took the young, vital, because he was pretty much brain dead anyway. Seriously, right? But then you know what your kid's junk is like. You know what your kid's junk is like. I don't make a point of checking it out, but anyway. I mean, yeah, it's there. And uh, so um, the switch bodies or with uh his son and adopted the the professor power um persona and what he wants is he wants a a world war right. he wants chaos he he wants to in, uh instill um unrest just to bring the uh the world to a point where he and his people can move underground wait until the radioactive fallout dissipates as if that's going to happen in like 10 years and then merge to the surface and build a brave new world. That's Professor. He also loathes Charles Xavier. And what better way to get back at Charlie for screwing up than killing his, quote, children. So in this version of the Defenders, we have not one but three of the original X-Men. We have the Beast, we have Angel, and... Iceman, Bobby Drake, and Warren. Uh, so it makes sense that the story should unravel in the pages of the Defenders, what with there being three X-Men in there. And it's just, I mean, Nick Fury's brought into it and S.H.I.E.L.D. And uh, it, it's its so fun. Um, at one point, Hank is doing these uh, college lectures and he shows up to a lecture with a Church of the Subgenius button on. Like, what, in, in what reality would Hank McCoy even know who J.R. Bob Dobbs is? <laughs> you know, it's just goofy, like that, that's yeah. the one thing you can say about the Defenders mm-hmm. as a series, like the, the entire run of the Defenders is just plain weird. Oh, for sure. You had Gerber on there, I mean, I believe Peter B. Gillis is the one that put the J.R. Bob Dobbs button on, uh, on Hank, but for the most part, it's the series is rocking up until Peter B. Gillis comes on. Then it just hits the skids. It gets, it gets really jank. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, it does. Um, they, they move into Warren Worthington's Aerie. Um, and we have a member, a young woman who can, um, turn intangible she turns into a gas she her name's cloud right she joins the team but for the life of me i can't remember what happens to cloud after the defenders 
Like, do you know? Does she die? Where, where, where did she ever huh. show up again anywhere? I'm not sure. Yeah, and there's this uh, strange subplot with Cloud and Moon Dragon. Like throughout the entire run in this book, Warren and Bobby are gaga over Moon Dragon to the point where they think the exact same thoughts within the same panel. Like Bobby will say, "Man, Moon Dragon is so pretty." And then you do a they'll do a, a thought balloon on Warren and he's thinking the exact same thing and it doesn't happen only once. It happens like multiple times over the the run where Bobby and um, Warren are just like over the moon with Moon Dragon. And that's like, again, I don't get it. Moon Dragon. Really? Dude, she is a fox. (laughs) Okay. Okay. Um, She's she's acerbic. She's abrasive. She thinks... Um, she is the, the Wolverine of, of, of what she does. She's, she's helpful in a team role, but basically. Dude, she was part I, of the Guardians too, dude. Don't, don't front. No, nah, I, I just don't, I don't see much in the character. I really don't. Um, I never cared for her. Avengers, Defenders, whatever. But yeah, it seemed, my, my tastes are a little strange when it comes to, to Marvel yeah. characters. Like, I, I I don't gravitate towards the uh, the obvious choices like like some people. Not pointing any fingers. Man, the guns are blazing. No, but um, I do love Iceman. Indeed, Bobby has always endeared himself to me. I mean, and and the miniseries I think is fantastic because it's it's just Bobby trying to find himself. Like he doesn't feel like he fits anywhere. Within, within the defenders, uh, his parents don't want him to be a superhero. They want him to be accountant. It's true. Right? So he, he, he doesn't know his, his place in, in the world. And, you know, he go, he takes a little break from the defenders and goes back home and, yeah, just, just tries to find himself. But even, um, the, the, the rural existence of, of his, his hometown is, is disrupted when, um, someone, sends uh hitmen to uh take out um who we think is Bobby at first but it's not it, it turns out that these uh these uh enforcers are sent to bring someone else in and it's it's um it's a really neat twist because we get to to examine not only um uh Bobby's character but but this this other well, I don't want to spill it, even though it's like 20 it's years old. 25 years old. Yeah, this Mirage character is really cool. And, and she has this box that she can, she can bounce through time. And she has created, she's so powerful that she has created a surrogate family. Um, to all, for all intents and purposes, they look just like a, you know, an every average age family, but they're constructs. Right. She made them because she's so damn lonely. Um, and uh it's it's uh who did the art let me see uh, i got it right here it's it's a nice i know mike zek does one issue of of defenders and it is like smoking uh-huh. hot um who did oh here we go it's uh, her father um misery's father's oblivion but i hesitate to use the word father because it's like uh it's like he splintered and created a, a child when in in effect it's just a shard of himself 
who's female. Figure that out. It is the defenders, right? And and by way of Iceman, um, Alan Kupperberg penciled it. Yes. And Gustavich inked it. And I just think it's amazing. I loved it back in the day. Again, written by Damateus. And it's just, it's, it holds up, unlike Beauty and the Beast, which does not. Mm, I disagree. What do you love about this miniseries? I mean, dude, dude Beast and Dazzler. You can't go wrong. You can go wrong when it's Don Perlin and Kim DeMulder on. Well, on... listen, uh, I'm not suggesting the art is exactly like, uh, uh, artist edition worthy. No, it's what a slob. What is what? Oh, did you not hear that? I did not hear oh, that. I heard, a, I heard music. Um, no, but I mean, for my money, I got this um, essential for five bucks. So more if than you, Yes. If you play your cards right, there are a multitude of comic shops that are blowing out essentials at rock bottom prices. Marvel offers them on the cheap to the shops. The shops in turn turn them around for pennies on the dollar. And you can get... You know, 500, 600 pages of, of damn good Marvel comics for five bucks. And I've seen showcases, uh, as well for five dollars. So keep your eyes peeled because there's a lot of good, good, I mean, I have all these issues in singles. Yeah. But to buy one of these for five bucks, sit down and just not worry about, you know, getting the originals all dinged up, messed up. You can, you can mangle an essential at five bucks and like, who cares? Who cares? Right? Right. Yeah. So, um, cloud has appeared five times since that run of <laughs> defenders. Really? Yes. In what? Well, I, I'm pretty sure I have read every one of these issues and I would have never, never remembered it had I not looked it up. Solo Avengers number 20. Wow, that recently. No, that's the least recent. That's the, that's three years after New Defenders number one fifty two. Oh, well, that was the book that Hawk with that started with Hawkeye, right? Uh, yes. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, then in ninety five, Star Masters number one. Hmm. And then in two thousand and seven, Annihilation Conquest Quasar number two. What? Yeah. Why don't I remember her I know, being in that? I know. And then November two thousand and eleven. Fear Itself, The Deep, number four, which I know I own because I bought the bundle, but I don't think I read. What was the, the, the gist of The Deep? I don't remember. That's why I'm pretty sure. I, I know I bought all the Fear Itself tie-ins, but I don't think I read most of them because I wasn't feeling it. The Deadpool one is by far the best one. I read that one. And then yeah. the last appearance was February 2012, Defenders, Strange Heroes, number one. <laughs> I didn't even know that was published. <laughs> Seriously. It, um, uh, but, let's see. I don't But there's this really strange... Like, oh, it was I, an Ohatmu about the Defenders. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, there you go. Um, there's this really strange subplot with Cloud and Moondragon under under Peter oh, B. Gillis. It, yeah, because it's, it's a little bit of the... Uh, um, the Sappho, because yeah, well, that's down with that. Cloud falls in love with Moondragon, Ooh, and Moondragon. and be, and she 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 doesn't know what to do because she thinks it's inherently wrong for a woman to love a woman. So Cloud changes sexes. Oh, that's hot. She 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 physically shifts her herself 
from a woman to a man, thinking Moondragon would be more receptive to her as a man. And they don't really get into the how she did it. It's just like, okay, this panel, she's a dude. And Moondragon's like, who are you? She's like, me, it's Cloud. I love you. But it's like, what is going on here? It's so strange, but like comics should be ridiculous. We don't need to know the house, right? We know the whys because because Cloud loves Moon Dragon, so it's kind of it's kind of cute, kind of touching. But on the flip side, it's kind of weird. Mm, that's true. It's a little strange, you know. And and so you have like three characters vying for Moon Dragon's attention, mm-hmm. uh, and it's it's unwarranted. It is not fired. <laughs> 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 no, I have a beautiful rendition of Moondragon on my Guardians of the Galaxy jam piece drawn by none other than Ariella Cristantina, the wow. on insects before she was anybody. Cool. Um, okay, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to drop a little image on your ass. Oh, really? Yes. And it really hurts my heart that you guys aren't uh, current with the series because it, it may be the best series in comics. And I think you guys both like it because you always say you do. But you never are caught up on it. I know what you're going to talk what? about East of West. No, no, no. Although that, that's up there too. No, man. Southern Bastards number fourteen. Oh yeah, that yeah. I I wouldn't call it the best series in comics, but it's up there. Jason Aaron, Jason Latour. Uh, we had a little bit of a hiatus after the thirteenth issue, but we're back strong. And one of the cool things about the series so far has been that. We haven't really spent a lot of time focusing on any one particular character. We've had one or two issue looks into a bunch of the characters, right? From, from, um, you know, from the very beginning, it's been like that. And, and, uh, we just sort of finished up. Well, not really, but we, we spent a lot of time focusing on the big game and, and, uh, and Euless Boss and the people around him. And we got away from, in the very early part of the series, we found out that our very quickly deceased protagonist uh, had a uh, interracial daughter uh, that was serving in Iraq. And we haven't really heard much about her since then. And I don't remember if it's like eight, nine, ten issues since we've really seen or heard anything about Roberta. And... Uh, Roberta's finally decided to uh, head to town to um, wrap up her father's existence, including their house, and uh, and uh, to perhaps seek a little revenge for the fucked up way her dad ended up going out. And uh, you know, this town is a it is a town deep deep in the south with very overt racism. And I have to say. Um, you know, Aaron and Latour, it's interesting because they are two white guys. And they're able to get away with some pretty audacious, uh, like racial overtones and language. Um, mm-hmm. which is, I mean, it's, it's, it's amazingly well done, but it, it's, it's nice in this sort of uber politically sensitive world we live in today. You know, that, 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 that's, that some clown posse isn't making a big deal about this. Um, and I think part of it is because they're handling it from a historical perspective and and being fair in terms of who are the protagonists and that sort of thing. But in any event, Roberta shows that up to town and uh, she's immediately treated in a uh, in an awful racist way. 
But Roberta is not someone to be fucked with. She is a badass soldier. And it's pretty clear that uh, she is a chip off her daddy's block. And um, so, you know, whereas we were waiting for her to show up, because we knew it was going to happen after the first few issues, she's here now. And you get a sense that, like, now shit's about to get really real. Because she's got a lot of scores to settle. Uh, so, you know, Latour is just awesome in this book. He is so much fun with the visuals. Um, like, there's, Roberta's, you know, cleaning up her, her dad's place. And I guess in the time since he's passed, the neighbor's been letting his mangy dog shit all over. Oh, no. You know? And so, (laughs) what? (laughs) That's wrong. That's wrong, right? So she's cleaning it all up and, you know, she, uh, she's like, get your dog out of here or whatever. And like, the dude comes to, to the fence and he's like, don't be fucking with my dog. And, you know, she, she handles, she handles that situation well. But it's the dude and then his son and his son's like, it's the little kid, right? Remember the little kid? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the neighbor kid. So the kid's got a shirt on and it's Obama's face and it says, fuck Obama. <laughs> I mean, like, it's like, and then she's trying to be nice to him and he's just not trying to have it. Like he says some pretty awful things, which I won't repeat. But, uh, but you know, she takes it in stride because, you know, it's a kid or whatever and like he's a product of his, of his environment. So she doesn't take him too seriously. But, uh, but she does take his daddy seriously and she does take his, his daddy's friend seriously. So, uh, yeah, man, it's just one of those books. Like I can't wait to see where it goes. And because I think they've done a great job over this first year's worth of issues of, setting up a lot of these characters so that we know them and care about them or hate them depending. Uh so uh this 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 arc is off to the races. Um in I also want to shout out in keeping with image uh Black Road number 2 um by uh by my no 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 relation Brian Wood uh and my Scottish cousin Gary Brown. Uh <laughs> You have family all, all over. over. I got Cal McComics family. Seriously. Um, I got Ashley Wood. I got all kinds of peeps. Um, so as a, I, I talked a little bit about the first issue, which was uh, it was a situation where a dude, kind of like a Viking, he's displaced because his family was killed. So he has nothing really to, to no, no, nothing tying him down anywhere. And so he's essentially a mercenary with, with a bloodlust, nothing really to lose. He doesn't care about his life. And he's hired in the first issue by a cardinal. Uh, to go up the Black Road, which is a notorious road in this particular region full of uh, crime and looters. Very dangerous road. So he hires this guy to help him because he's transporting something. And in the first issue, as I talked about, the, the, the cardinal gets killed. Um, so the dude doesn't do his job. He, doesn't, he, doesn't, he fails at his job. And he ends up hooking up with the with the cardinal's daughter. So again, called the, make of that what you will. Um, and And he agrees to help her go off the black road and deliver the package and, and make good on his promise as well as get revenge. And so this is the, this is the next step as they're heading up the road and they come across some of the ne'er-do-wells that were responsible for the death. And, uh, let's just say the two of them, um, rain, rain serious hellfire down on the perpetrators. Nice. Yes. Yeah. So uh, the star of the book is Gary. I mean, Gary's, I love his art. I have lots of his art. Personally, I own it. A bunch of his art. Super cool dude. Listens to the show. Um, I will say that I, he's never looked better. Um, and uh, and look, I mean, Brian 
spent a long time writing Vikings with Northlanders, so it's a genre that he's very comfortable in, and so it all feels like it all ties well in together. And unlike my issue with Northlanders, which is like I felt like they were Vikings that talked like mobsters, um, this is a little more uh, historic in its tone. So, yeah, two thumbs up for that as well, Black Rose number two. And then uh, last but not least on the image tip, uh, I read the second trade of Descender by our man Jeff Lemire with art by Dustin Nguyen. And man, oh man, is this an awesome sci-fi romp. I don't want to get too much into it because it just came out and it's, it's, I don't want to spoil it because there's a lot of cliffhangers and big revelations. But just recall that the setup here is a world where, uh, there's a bunch of planets that are all co- uh, a coalition and we're at a point where they've essentially outlawed robots because they had robots for a long, long time. And then a bunch of celestial sized gigantic robots, planet size showed up at each planet and laid waste to humanity at some point. And so they, they banished, they banished robots because they felt it was somehow tied to that. And in the first arc, we are introduced to a little boy robot named Tim 21, who is reactivated and long thought gone. And while he seems to be just a little friendly sort of boy friend, you know, manservant type of a, of a robot, it's clear that he has something about him that is far more significant. And so that first arc is, us meeting him, him befriending a few other uh, robots that help keep him alive, uh, a galactic bounty is put out on the kid's head, and, and so we, we meet a badass group of uh, intergalactic bounty hunters that he has to survive the battle with. Um, and in this arc, he's now been rescued, if you will, by members of the Galactic Council, the UCG, who are the ones that are essentially... Um, put put into plan the, the the banning of robots, but for some reason they want this one and they don't want him dead. And um, their plan to get back to the to the to the central planet with him is derailed by another group of uh, of beings. I'll leave it at that. And uh, it's setting up a lot like um, it reminds me a lot of Battlestar Galactica, the the the, the, the newer series where. The the robots aren't just uh, vessels for an enemy. They're really well-developed, uh, and it's as much about their right to exist as the human's right to to exist. And, like, you know, mm-hmm. so it's, it, it's just it's this incredibly interwoven science fiction slash political thriller that Lemire is building out. And uh, the, the most notable thing on the art is that um, for some reason, in this arc, Dustin, it's just uh, his pencils. Oh, nice. Yeah, and you know, I mean, he's a very, very fine artist. So, so it, it's, it's a different look. I mean, it's definitely not as tight. You would probably really love it because I know you prefer sort of a little bit of a, of a looser, more organic feel to your art. I do. Um, yeah. You know, I'm curious to hear if people were bothered by because it's very noticeable. I mean, again, it's it's Dustin to win. He's done every issue. Same artist, but but just only this time he goes right over his pencils. So I don't know if that was a function of time. I don't know if that was a, a, a an actual choice he's made as they continue to, to go deeper into the book. Um, but it worked. It it um I mean I probably prefer his 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 ink stuff because it was like super duper tight. But uh, but it was it was it was neat to see. It was 
you don't see too many books, I think, uh, with that are as detailed as that that are done over pencils. So, uh, right. So yeah. So this collects issues six through eleven, and uh, it's terrific. I mean, it's it's uh, it's everything you could want from a science fiction series. Um, it's uh, and the, and the character designs. I mean, I have to give all the credit to Dustin on that. The character designs are phenomenal. Very very uh, very very um, memorable. Like as I'm sitting here talking about it, I don't have any reference here, and I can picture all the characters in my head as I'm talking about it. So, testament to him on his character design. Oh yeah, he's great. Mm-hmm. Very inventive. I don't think I've read much from him. I, I don't like. I've always known his name, and I, I know what he looks like. I've seen him at cons, but I don't feel like I, I didn't read the little Gotham stuff. That's him, right? Like the little the little characters. I'm I'm not sure. I don't know what else he's done. I guess he did everyone on Batman, right? I, didn't, I don't think I read that. Yeah, I mean, he's he's been around for a stretch, but from what I can remember, he has transformed his style. Mm-hmm. Like, his his early stuff looks nothing like it. Well, every artist can say the sure. same. Definitely. But, I mean, the, this, the styles are very dissimilar from his, his early work until mm-hmm. now. Yeah. And I can say this because Dap's not here. Yeah. But um, you were talking about uh, they went right from his pencils. These days, inkers are irrelevant. Definitely listen back to this and have a connection. No, no, no. And the the only reason the reason why I'm saying that is because the inker back in the day, the inker was a necessary part of the production process because they could not shoot from pencils because the, the the gray tones of the pencil would not be captured on the stack camera so they could not burn a plate blah 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 because the the level of printing technology did not was was not to the point where it is now now you can have any artistic style and it would be duplicated faithfully with the current printing processes so the inker uh are you there i am here Alright, the, the, um, did you mute? Cause it sounded like you muted. I did, muted. Yeah. I yeah. did you fart? No, I was pouring a glass of wine. <laughs> How did you unmute Because I can, I have very good ears, yeah, my friend. Um, the, uh, the role of the anchor was necessary in the past, not so necessary now. It's just an, it's an adherence to the old ways. Like David will look at a, a comic and if it's not inked, he's like, oh, it's not right. Something's missing. Right. But that's, that's, not true. See, I thought you were going to go somewhere else with that. I thought you were going. No, no, no. I'm not saying I don't like inkers or that that I think they're irrelevant by by nature. They're just they're they're a part of the old ways of doing things right. that don't necessarily apply. No, no, what I was going to say though is I thought you were going to go somewhere else with the inking idea, which is to say that they're not as relevant anymore because of the advent of digital has allowed a lot of artists that heretofore didn't have the time to ink themselves. Right. No, no, no. I wasn't going to go there. Because that's, I mean, no. I mean, I'll, I mean, frankly, the majority of my favorite creators in comics now are both pencilers and inkers. Right. Like they right. do the whole thing. And, and the position has afforded a lot of beautiful magic pairings over the years. No doubt. Yeah. Um, and, and so, I mean, I believe we still need them for that fact where they add another Another layer of dialogue to the penciler's uh, visual um, style, but in terms of the actual process, they're you know it, it, it it's not necessary anymore. Now it's interesting. I have to say, I just got done saying I don't think I've read much from Dustin to Win, and I'm looking at his catalog, and I've read like half of it. 
<laughs> cool. Like he did, uh, he did, uh, all of Joe Casey's run on the Wildcats. Damn. Okay. Right? Yeah, I love Casey's I run. Why, why didn't I? I know. See, you get old and stuff That's starts leaking out of your ears. He yeah. did, uh, the 12 issues of, uh, that authority revolution that Brubaker did. Remember that? Mm, yeah, I remember. It wasn't that. very good, but I remember that. I did no, read. I didn't, I didn't like that too much. I did read it. That's my point. Uh, he did a bunch of Batman, which I didn't read. Um, but he did do Batgirl 15 and 16, which I read. Um, and then he did American Vampire Lord of Nightmares, which I read for sure. Oh, shame on you. Right? Yeah. No. For shame. Jesus. Damn. Boosh. <laughs> uh, I got some, st- well, you're going to consider this strange. No, I got some you strange. Ever talk about it. I consider strange because it's you. Yeah. I read the final issue, reread the final issue of one of my all time favorite series. Akira? No. No. Uh, this bad boy was published in 1989. Okay. Beauty and the Beast. By, no, by, <laughs> by Eclipse. And at 1989 prices, mm-hmm. this, this book was $5. Oh. So yeah, when uh, it's, it's a prestige format, square bound, <laughs> um, really nice paper, beautiful color, no expense spared, but it is the last issue in the run. And, um, Cat Ironwood reveals why it's the last issue in the back pages. Um, this series had gone on for 50 issues, and towards the end, they didn't have a regular artist. Um, Tom Yates appeared in the pages. Tom Yates is amazing. Um, but the, the, the regular artist for, for a good stretch was, was Stan Watch. And he left. Um, so the, the, you know, the book didn't have a, a, a visual continuity, which was important back in the day because artists would stick to a book for a while and then it would establish that, that visual presence and that would get readers and, you know, stability, uh, a sameness to the visuals is very important or was anyway. Um, and, uh, it wasn't selling all that great. It wasn't selling terribly, but, uh, in relation to the rest of the books in the Eclipse line, it, it wasn't the shining star, so to speak. And um, it was an, a bit of an experiment when it when it first was launched because it was a fifty cent book. Uh, they tried to compete with the big two by undercutting them in terms of cover price, and uh, I, th- I believe it was bi-weekly when it first came out too. Um, and anybody who was around back then knows what I'm talking about. It's Airboy. Yep. I love the Airboy. Um, this incarnation of Airboy is not the original Airboy. It's his son, Davey Nelson. Uh, and this issue is amazing because it is a Cubert extravaganza. The interiors were done by both Adam and Andy. Um, specifically, I believe, um, Andy penciled it and Adam did everything else, inking, coloring, um, and lettering from the looks of this. I didn't know that. Okay. Um, and the cover was done by Joe Kubert. Joseph. So it's an amazing, amazing cover. Um, last issue of the run. Here's the 50. Here's the, 
Yeah, I went to 50. Yeah. Really? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Right. Um, misery, the arch nemesis of pilots everywhere, has taken the original Airboy, Davy Nelson's father, to his realm, and Airboy's not having it. Because Valkyrie was once a prisoner of uh, misery as well. So Davy fires up Birdie and goes down to Bogantia and uh, hooks up with a shaman there. And uh, the shaman opens up a portal to Misery's realm. And I was thinking of you when I read this, um, what must be like the fifth time now. The shaman requires one payment uh, from Davy uh, to open the portal. You know what that payment is? Uh, an IQ point. A case of Dr. Pepper. <laughs> <laughs> so, but, uh, Davy, um, ships something to Bogantia on the, on the sly and to help him out in Misery's realm. And that, uh, parcel was none other than the heap. Are you familiar with the heap? A little bit. Okay. Part man thing, part swamp thing. Uh, yeah. Um, pretty mindless, but, uh, the heap is infatuated with Birdie, loves the plane because the, the heap has uh, ties to the original Airboy and now uh, his son, Davey. They, they went on a number of adventures together. But um, so Airboy and the heap descend into Misery's realm. And this book is probably one of the better showings the Kubert brothers have ever concocted. That's strong words. No, seriously. Because, I mean, let, real, real talk. The, the Kuberts are exceptional at what they do most of the time. Right. There, there are instances where, and, and we know the reasons why, um, things are rushed or, or corners appear to be cut. Mm-hmm. Like, the, there was, there was illness in the family. It's been more good that, than bad. Like, yeah. Right, right, right. But, but when, and that's the thing. They're, they're so adept mm-hmm. at what they do that when they don't give it their all, it's noticeable. Uh, that's fair, yeah. I'll yeah, yeah. They're, they're, they're exceptional craftsmen. Mm-hmm. But there's a double spread in this book where Davy and the Heap first arrive in Misery's realm. It is astounding. It's, it's just a, um, and it looks like, uh, Adam colored it with um pantone markers uh-huh. it's a beautiful color treatment on every page and it's so organic looking and the blends are amazing that this is what differentiated um the uh the independence from marvel and dc because in the in the late 80s the coloring color art in marvel and dc was not all that yeah, great yeah. that flexographic yeah. printing was horrible um, but this, this is lush and vibrant and the, 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 the colors are, the, are amazing. The blends are just sumptuous. But anyway, uh, Airboy and the Heap are standing there and they have their backs to the reader. There's a couple of planets up in the sky in this barren, dis- disturbing realm with Misery's Castle off in the distance. It is a really fine mm. spread. Yeah. It just, it says everything. You know, Chuck Dixon wanted to say that this is not a place you want to visit. It's, it's lonely. It's cold. It's, it's barren. There's not a lot of life here. Misery's a walking skeleton in a cloak. Okay. It's, and misery has a penchant for pilots. 
um, because there's this uh, vehicle called the um, oh, what's it called? The the air graveyard that it he just well, misery's an it more than a he scoops up these dead pilots and just imprisons them in their realm in his realm, and they live there for eternity. They're they're not alive. They're not dead. They exist in this this limbo, and and so the original Airboy's there, and uh, Davy's not having it. No friggin' way, because Misery kidnapped the Valkyrie at, at one point, um, and it really, I mean, she has PTSD out the wahoo. She just she can't even go mm-hmm. with Airboy until the rum. She's like, you know what? I want to go with you. I, I think it's 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 a good thing that you're going to get your father from that son of a bitch, but I just can't do it. I cannot live that again. Um, and, and th- this issue's great. Howard Hughes is in it. <laughs> don't ask, don't ask why. Um, but, uh, the road rats appear. It's, it, it, it has all of the, the, uh, the high points of the entire, you know, preceding 49 issues, all the things that made Airboy such a great series. Um, they, they give one last final hurrah in this issue 50. Um, Manic appears. Um, and then there's the climactic battle between Airboy and Misery, and um, there's this really weird section where you know Misery's monologuing uh, with Airboy. You know, uh, this is why I do things. You're never going to get your father back. You're trapped in my realm. Um, and uh, did uh, Airboy says, "Can the crap, Misery? I'm here for my father, and I'm not in the mood." And Misery says. In the mood? Did you say in the mood? Misery has Glenn Miller and his orchestra. <laughs> it's so silly. And then it, the, the, it's like a tight shot of Misery and his eyes are gleaming. And the next panel, it's Glenn Miller's band. Ridiculous. Playing in the like off kilter, just left field. But those are the goofy kind of things you remember. It's just, it, does it make sense? Who cares? Uh, it, it, comics should be ridiculous. Um, but it, I mean, this is a great issue, but we've been left hanging, at least, uh, from the Chuck Dixon storyline, right? Mm-hmm. We've been, this storyline, we've been left hanging since 1989 because to my knowledge, it ends on a cliffhanger. Miser- uh, Davy does escape misery's realm but where he goes is unclear and we never found out so this is interesting because your love of this run of airboy helps elucidate why you are so unbelievably wrong in your dislike for the recent airboy limited series why am i wrong we're wrong now, in retrospect, because you were too close to the prior material and had unreasonable, oh, had unreasonable yeah. expectations for what the series would be about. I said that from jump. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm way too attached yeah. to the, to the source material. Because the, the book by Robinson and Hinkle was nothing like that. No, I didn't give it a chance. Yeah. I did, I, I, the first issue just rubbed me the wrong way and I discarded it and never went back mm-hmm. to it. And I, I really don't care to read it. I don't, I, you know, I don't need to read it. No, it, it was, I mean, it was, I thought it was very good. It was one of the funniest things I read last year. Um, but again, I own no allegiance to any prior incarnation of Airboy that would have clouded and, and my to, view. To be fair, you probably would not enjoy it. Wow. Yes, because it's very, 
I, I don't want to use this word, but I will because you'll know exactly what I mean when I say it. It's very pulpy. Yeah, no, I know that's always been my read on it. Yeah, I almost didn't read the image Airboy because of that until it was made uh, known to me that it was not like that. That it was an autobiographical, raucous, comedic look at Robinson's very self-destructive life. Right, right. So. And um, it's it's kind of like you know I I love Airboy and books like G Eight and his Battle Aces and uh, the the dog fights and I hate to fly. I hate. You do, it. I know. I live vicariously like through these. In you were catatonic for the first couple hours when you got to Chicago until you calmed down. <laughs> Not really, you but were. yeah, it does change my mood significantly. For sure. Yeah. Um. It's it's just this daring do uh, these 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 characters that that just l- throw caution to the wind literally yeah. and and hurl themselves into the sky and the birdie is like one of the coolest planes ever the wings fold up respect ninety degree angle uh, they just it's just an amazing like visually this this book is astounding Tim Truman worked in it Tom Yates. Stan watch it's it's just a a visual treat mm-hmm. and and Valkyrie dude there is a woman that's a woman yeah i mean how did davy ever get anything done if you have someone like that on your side who's basically walking around with her shirt flapping open well in the and in the limited series that came out last year uh uh Valkyrie gets banged out by by James Robinson <sighs> record and then we have the dave stevens covers yes uh, the original airboy that are phenomenal are. issue five in particular is one of my favorite covers of all time airboy's clutching at, at at valkyrie's boot and she's standing there bada boom in the catacombs or whatever place that is and it's just a it's just a gorgeous amazing cover now there's a query has dave stevens ever drawn an image that wasn't aesthetically pleasing I would say no. And I wonder how many other creators we could say the same of. That wasn't aesthetically pleasing. Right. Like, did they ever have a bad moment? Well, come on. Sure. I don't know, man. I've seen some, I don't want to use the word lackluster, but even John Basima has some well, pages that are, that are just like John. Good job. <laughs> what are you doing? Oh, um, I don't know what you're talking about. Maybe if he had, maybe, maybe times when he let his brother sell income. Oh, dick. such a dick. Dude, you're, you're coming at my man, John, John, and we're coming That's why I said it. I, um, I was talking to Sal one day and I said, hey, Sal, uh, who, who was your favorite person to, to ink your work? And he goes, me. He goes, I, I, I didn't, I wasn't entirely pleased with any of the people that inked my work. Yeah. That's raw. That's true. That's real life. That's real talk. Yeah. And, I, and I said, well, why didn't you ink your own work? He said, I don't have the time to ink my own work. I was penciling like sometimes two books, two and a half books a month. Right. That's cray. That is cray. Um, I mean, I don't know. We were just saying there's there's very few Manara images in our hop, but, but we were talking about one before we recorded. Yeah. Uh, Art Adams has had a few whiffs, although again, very rare, but I can think of a few. I can't, really? Like what? 
I didn't think his Ultimate X stuff was very good. Oh, I did. Uh, yeah, I wasn't. I wasn't immersed in the story, but I thought the book visually was very right. pleasing. Yeah. Um, I can tell you an artist that has never okay. ever produced a bad image. Okay. Richard Corbin. Oh, stop. Never. Never. Well, I got one for you. Emphasis on the never. James Jean. I see. I don't think that's entirely fair because the man made his living doing covers. If you can't produce astounding images, you have no business doing covers. He's produced as much artwork as our Adams has. Wow. Well, he has. <sighs> I don't know. I like James Jean's work, but I don't go gaga over oh, it. Oh my god. I don't. You know how many Eisner's he won? Don't care. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not saying he's he's not great. I just it's not it's not for me. Wow. Yeah. You're a crazy man. I am crazy. Very crazy, crazy. like a fox. Uh Jack Kirby never produced a single <laughs> bat. <laughs> That's what I thought you were gonna say. <laughs> well, that goes without saying. Nary right? a bad image. The man who who devised the language he is did. beyond reproach. So yeah. Scott McCloud who? I like Scott McCloud's work a lot. Uh, me too. A little plain, but man knows how to compose an image. Yeah, well, plain. Um, it's plain. I, I, that could be you. That could be a derogatory term, plain. Oh, I, listen. I mean, Scott. If we had to make a list of like we were doing last week of the fifty greatest comic book artists to ever live, I mean, he wouldn't be on my fifty. Okay. I mean, I got nothing against the dude. I thought the sculptor was brilliant, but. He has slipped. Scott McCloud has slipped that time. That, that, uh, Adventures of Abraham Lincoln oh, is, yeah. is just an abomination. Yeah. Yeah, pretty much. And Frank Miller slipped big time, so yeah. Never. Never. <laughs> Fucking never. <laughs> now see, you know I'm bullshitting you because that dinosaur that was in, um, <laughs> that, that was jank. I have to admit. Like a chicken hopping scale. Yeah, it's a. <laughs> oh lord. Yeah. What else did you read? Um, the only thing I could think of that I read, uh, other than those image books, was another image book, which was Starved Number Six. Starve, not starved. Number Six, which um, I was going to save because Dap, I know, loves that book too. Um, it's the start of the next arc. Um, so it's also by Brian Wood. It was a Brian Wood week for me, uh, with art by Daniel Zezelouge. Um, but, uh, yeah, Graham is coming to terms with the, the reality of his, where we left off his, his, his ex-wife, who's the producer of the show that he left, that, uh, he's now back on, uh, stabs him in the heart, <laughs> or tracks to at least. Uh, and he, uh, he makes peace with her, believe it or not, and, uh, buys a chicken shack. Or a chicken, like a fried chicken stand in this issue. It's a strange it's book. It's a very strange book. That's why I love it. Yeah. It's the strange amalgamation of high co- corporate espionage and co- and cooking reality shows. It's fun. <laughs> strike two. <laughs> <laughs> two strikes for me. That's why I want to talk about Daps on the show so I can get some. Yeah, feedback. yeah. I know he, I know he loves it. But, um, I don't think Dap would be adverse for me to talk about two pages from Rebirth. 
That that no, that really made the book for me. I knew we were now, he's not, around to it. Go ahead. He's not he's not gonna care. Dude, you know, see this is what kills me. We we were we were so excited to do this episode and we thought, oh man, it's gonna be a barn burner. We're gonna talk about rebirth for like at least an hour because we were all grooving on it, all three of us. And then Dap lost power and it's just like it it just put a blanket of of yuck. Over, I mean, I'm not saying we didn't have fun. Yeah, what we did tonight, we no, we did, we did have fun. But when you're expecting no, you're something right. going in, and then you know, you suddenly have to swerve. You know, it takes you a while to write, yeah. yeah, to write the yeah. ship. But the the two pages that made it for me was, and I'm assuming it's Saturn Girl, um, being interrogated. Legion, uh, yeah. The Legion ring. That is, see, I, I thought rebirth was all about hope and it was about optimism and it was about, um, how many times had, did the word legacy, was the word legacy used in the book? Yeah. It's about history and what had come before and writing, like, like we had to do tonight, writing the, the, the course of the ship, getting that, that, that juggernaut back on the, the path it should be on. And, um, when that ring showed up, it was like, it gave me hope that they are going to do something with the Legion soon. Cause. Oh, for sure. I mean, but, you can't have Saturn Curl in this issue without getting a Legion series coming out of it, right? Well, it's I mean, not it's on, on the, the re- I mean, you're right. It's not, right. But it's not on the schedule soon, but, loom, right? Yeah. I would be happy if, if Legion appeared as a, you know, an eight page backup. In, in Superman or, you know, uh, I don't know, is there a Superboy on the schedule? I don't, uh, no, there's a, there's that Super Dash Man, the Chinese superhero. Yeah. I'd even buy that if it had the Legion in it. Um, I can't say what my favorite page was because it'll, it's the major spoiler of the book, so. Yeah, I'm guessing it was the last, well not the last page, the page before yeah, the episode. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, it was like bananas. Great visual. But, Great visual. Um, very good visual. You know, and, and John's is just, uh, you know, in a way he's just, this is his thing, right? Like John's his thing. He's, I think he's going to be known as the guy that used nostalgia to reset characters back to a version of them that he felt best exemplified them. Right. I mean, it's no coincidence. This is called rebirth, right? Because, mm-hmm. Oh, it's very cleverly conceived. Right, but I mean, yes. like, you know, I mean, John's is, I mean, John's has done a lot of great work at DC. I mean, he's been, we forget how long he's been at this now, but, but I think people, when you think of him, you think of Green Lantern Rebirth. and then Right, well, exactly, yeah. Yeah, Flash Rebirth. So, so, I mean, it's the same kind of conceit. Um, you know, he's good at putting the deck chairs back into a facsimile of what he thinks they should look like and using nostalgia and Silver Age, uh, tropes to do it. And, um, I think he did that here. Uh, but the cool thing is the, 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 the person he's using, the antagonist, I just didn't see coming. I, I'm like beside no. myself with getting this over it. Yeah, I didn't either. I didn't see it coming. And, uh, I, I'm not one of the, those that, that believe that, that work is uh, a sacred cow. Yeah. It should be exploited. They're smart for doing so. Now, you haven't been reading Superman up until 52, right? No. Um, we can talk about that, right? Yeah, we can talk about Superman 50. David's not going to care. Um, 
I thought it was um, an overly melodramatic, weepy mess. Mess, yeah. Yeah, I mean, so we. Uh, I don't know if that. I don't know if the part we talked about this is going to make it to the show because of the edits for because of that. But we did agree to read Superman fifty two and Justice League fifty mm-hmm. because they. It says right at the beginning of Rebirth number one to read those issues before you read Rebirth, and so. I had been I, I I was not regular or caught up on Justice League, although because of Dapp's singing of the praises of that book, I had read like the eight issues leading up to and including I think the first two issues of Doomsday War. Like I had known that Batman was Metron, and oh, you mean the Dark Side? I'm sorry, the Dark Side. Yeah, yeah. Um, You're thinking of Superman's Greatest yeah, War, and. And I guess so. I was about an I guess about a trade paperback behind. I was about mm-hmm. so I wasn't completely lost because this issue was the conclusion of the Dark Side War. Um, mm-hmm. But there was a lot clearly that happened in the six issues that I didn't read. Um, yeah, Dap got me on Justice League too. Yeah, I mean, well, Fabok or Fabok, I don't know how to say his name, is ridiculous. Very Home good. Boys off the charts. Yep. Uh, yep. Like, ridiculously good. But, but getting back to Superman, so, um, I hadn't, I don't think I read a single issue of this run. Oh, no, that's right. I guess I read, was this the same one? Was it Action or Superman that, uh, that, that Morrison started? Or was that a whole different run? Uh, no. He started Action. Alright, well, I, I, I must have read the first two or three issues of Superman because, like you said, we, we read, like the start of every one of these series and talked about. Yeah. Yeah. But I haven't read it since. I, I don't, I, so I, it's been what, three, four years. I, I put it this way. I didn't read it at all when, uh, Cooter was doing it. I, like, even though he's our board. Same. Yeah. Um, so, I would take a look at the art, but yeah. So I have no idea what's been going on. So like you said, I mean, I'm thrown into a battle between him and they, some flaming version of Superman. The guy thinks he's Superman, but super, but Clark is saying it's actually some guy from, Nebraska, I think. That yeah, Denny, Denny Minnesota, Swan. either in Nebraska or Denny. Yeah, and he's been hit by lightning that somehow had a copy of Superman's genes on in it. Before <laughs> it made him think he was Clark, and he had the memories of Clark, and I don't know how or why. I presume that was all, and that that whole it's like Matrix all over. Yeah, again. Uh, so they're battling, and I guess it gets to the point where. Danny's going to go supernova, and so Clark has to try and save the world, and so he does one of those things where he, with the help of another character, I guess the pre-Flashpoint Superman, I guess our Superman, as you were telling me. Yeah, it's killing me to say that, because like we were talking about, for for decades, we said we we would use the term pre-crisis Superman, and it was a thing, it became a thing, and now... Everything old is new again. Now it's going to be pre, pre flashpoint right. Superman. It's just, ah, uh, can we get away from that? It's, it's Superman. Right. Well, Period. So, so that Superman helps the Superman in the book fight Denny, take him up high up into the sky, and then Denny goes supernova, and the Clark, the Superman of this earth, uses his abilities to absorb all of that energy to basically keep the world from from going kaput, but in doing so, I guess overloads himself with energy. Like he, his yeah. body wasn't meant to handle that much energy. Mm-hmm. And so he's back down on earth. And as you said, like somehow between that moment and whenever he finally succumbs to all the energy, 
like the entirety of the DC universe is there to say goodbye to him. And he, it was so silly, wasn't it? It it was and it then, was like, like for some reason he evaporates into like a pile of dust like a vampire. I don't know why. Yeah, I yeah, guess he's made uh, from the sun. I guess maybe that's not so stupid, but it, it seemed weird at the time and uh, died. I just I thought it was incredibly contrived. There there yeah. was one really great moment in this issue, and that's when Bruce whacks Denny with the bat plane. <laughs> that 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 was fun. Yeah. Right. Um, but. It just seemed too contrived to me. This this climactic battle that's gonna uh, rid the world of this Superman, and everybody's there to say goodbye to him. Everyone is yeah. there. Lana shows up. Lois shows up. Uh, Diana, of course, is there in the battle. I mean, Bruce is there. Um, uh, Steel shows up. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he's like, "Take uh, care of my girl, John Henry." Yeah, but it's just like uh, uh, Supergirl. Uh, enters the battle at one point. And it was just like the only person right. that Kyra, wasn't there. Kyra helped in the battle. And then, and then the, the, the pre-flashpoint Superman shows up and then, uh, and then our, the, the Superman that dies punches him and sends him back to Earth. He's like, they're going to need you. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Um, but then, and then the one holdout is Jimmy. Oh yeah. Yeah. And we see him, I think that's Jimmy, uh, bottom of the the one page where you know it shows all the people in the world without superman right. because you know and i guess uh, the only reason we really needed to read this before rebirth is because they reference in rebirth that superman's missing right but, i i you know i thought it was crucial to the to the rebirth storyline and i guess uh, yeah it's it's not really no i don't think it is no i mean justice league 50 was super critical Yes, I, I would. Yeah. I would have been completely lost and mystified by Rebirth if I hadn't read Justice League Fifty. Part, yeah, for for the most part. Um, but they they do a recap in in um, Rebirth of of the events of Justice League, the the important events of Justice True. League Fifty. But I think the journey was was worthwhile. Like I I had no remorse for spending six bucks on Justice League, but the 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 three ninety nine that Superman cost me, I wish I could get back. Has Steve Trevor always been the DCU's Rick Jones? And I just never noticed. Nah, Steve Trevor went away for a, a while. Oh, I know. Yeah. Um, I guess that's a good comparison, yeah. You know, the yeah. average guy that's always put in these fantastical situations. Right, right. Yeah. Um, well, he's gotta be doing something right to, to attract Diana's attention. But I'm curious to see, uh, in the, uh, post rebirth, DCU if Superman and Diana are still a thing. Oh, I don't think so. I mean, if Johns has got creative, creative control, I can almost guarantee you it won't be the case. Yeah. Part of me thinks it's a logical pairing. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I mean, let's talk about biologically. I mean, right. there needs to be a strong yeah. woman to handle that pounding. S- sure. But, I mean, Lois doesn't seem to be limping. But now my point is, in if we're being real, she would be dead. Sure. So... Um, like I said, logical pairing, but the romantic in me always wants it to be Lois. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, and I, I mean, there was a number of revelations in Justice League that I think are really going to be cool. And, uh, the, the, the top of the list is Diana's, and spoilers, if you didn't read it yet, you know, fast forward or whatever you got to do. Um, Diana's twin brother. Named? Uh, J- 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 Jason, Jason, I think it's <laughs> Jason. <laughs> told me I was like, Woo-woo! of course he is. Because again, 
who else would be who else would be suitable enough to be Wonder Woman's twin brother than a guy these, named Jason? Yeah, all these issues, Diana's front and center. They are smart. I wonder With if he's movie, Mega Man. I, I don't know. But I did see some preview pages from Liam Sharp's Wonder Woman. Mm-hmm. I'm on it. You're on it? From the, oh, I'm on, on it, it, yeah. Cool. The, uh, Liam Sharp and Nicola Scott are gonna be, um, cause it's, it's twice monthly. That's right, and it's gonna alternate. Yeah. The two artists are gonna be, it's gonna be, um, different time periods. Which is, and Ruck is writing it, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, But like, I think one of them's doing like a, a flashback like World War II era. Ah, uh, right, right. Modern. Again, which is the period in which the movie's set, yeah, isn't yeah, it? Uh, what movie? The Wonder Woman movie. Oh, is it? Believe so, yeah. Yeah. But, um, so I'm very optimistic. They have captured my attention with all three of these books. Mm-hmm. Uh, and perusing the, uh, the covers in the back of Rebirth, at least half of them I want to buy. Like this flash looks very intriguing to me. Um. Joshua Williamson. Yeah, writing. I mean, well, I uh, again, I don't know if this made it to because we did a little editing. I, I I ordered the DCB service rebirth bundle, so I'm getting the first issues of everything. I I believed I would have the strength to pace myself, mm-hmm. which is why I did not order the bundle. Right. But looking at these these covers and the preview pages that I have seen. I don't know. I'm weak, man. I just like I'm looking at the Batman. Gotta have it. Um, my my boy John Boy Myers is on Teen Titans. Gotta have it. Something about this Power Ring intrigues me. So Green Lanterns on the list. Um, Juan Ferreira is on Green Arrow. Ferreira, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. And it takes a lot for me to buy a book, uh, a Green Arrow title, a lot. And I think I'm in, like I said, I pre-ordered Superman and Action. Um, the only one that I'm not entirely sold on is the one that probably is commanding the most attention by the mere fact that Jim Lee's on it. Like, I probably won't buy Suicide Squad. Oh, I'm definitely on it. I'm not a, I'm not a huge Jim Lee mark. Uh, no, I am, I'm not. I'm not either, but, uh, but I take the Suicide Squad as a concept, and uh, Colin's super into Suicide Squad right now. So, and you know it's going to be tailored to the movie um, Suicide Squad, right? Yeah, I assumed. Yeah, but I'm not. I mean, I'm not taking a dump on Mr. Lee. It's just like no, he's he's you know, he's not. He yeah. doesn't he doesn't inspire my eyes no, to do way. anything. You know. mm-hmm. um, uh, even Titans. This issue, I'm, I was a, I was always a Wally fan. Mm-hmm. If if you if I had to pick a Flash, it would not be Barry. It would be Wally, and uh-huh. uh, you know that's why Rebirth is like bada bing. Uh-huh. It res- I, I thought it was the absolute perfect character to frame the story around. The, the, he could not have chosen a better character to do it. Right. Um. It, it it worked, but we'll we'll leave all the rebirth talk for next week for when yes. when David's powers back. Correct. Out. Yeah, I don't know. They 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 have have captured my attention. That's not easy to do, DC, and you done did it. 
You done did it, DC. Yeah. Done do it. What do you think of, uh, before we go, what do you think of, uh, have you had a chance to take a What do you mean before we go? I mean, we got another hour. Oh, dude. Uh, <laughs> what do you think of, uh, the Comixology Unlimited? I don't know what this is. Enlighten me. Wait, you haven't heard I, of it? I, no, I saw, I saw you guys put something up on the Facebook, but it, when I saw Comixology, I just, I just blew past it. What is it? Oh, really? Yeah, I'm, you know me in digital. I don't, it, it doesn't, it doesn't work for me. Wow. Yeah, it doesn't. Um, so it's, in essence, you know, it's been two years since Amazon acquired Comixology. And not much has changed. In fact, the only thing that's changed, I would argue, is for the worse, which is that they got rid of in-app purchases. So now when you want to buy something, you have to go to the web and buy it and put it in your cart and then download it to your app. And it's really... What? Yeah, it's been like that for two years. Um, but they announced this week, and they announced it not... It wasn't like, oh, here, we're going to do this. It was like, here it is. It's ready. Comixology Unlimited, which is patterned after Kindle Unlimited and Marvel Unlimited, where you pay a flat fee, in this case, six bucks a month, and you get unlimited comics. Now... Wait, wait, wait. How does that... Like, on current comics? Also, that's the thing. So, I would argue that, at least for now, it is a very misnamed product, because... uh, Well, first of all, I mean, it doesn't include Marvel and DC, which is not really surprising, because they do their own thing. But it does include everything else, including Image and Dark Horse and Valiant. Um... However, Sweet. however, they're offering, <laughs> the cool thing is that if they're, they're offering 30 day free trial right now. Yeah. And so if you already have a comicsology account, as I do, and many of our listeners do, just, you can just click start my free trial and you'll be able to check it out yourself. Um, but I found it to be, at least at the launch, nothing at all what you one would expect from Marvel, uh, from comp, from something called Unlimited. In essence, they have the first few issues or first trade of just about any series you can imagine. Mm-hmm. And that's it. And then you got to like buy the rest. So you can get the first trade of Walking Dead. You can get the first trade of Saga. You can get the first trade of Aquaman. You know, you can get the first trade of Deadpool. You can get the first issue of like the Spire. You can get the first issue. You know what I mean? Like you get the, if it's a, if it's a limited series, you get the first issue. If it's a, if it's an ongoing series, you get like the first trade. And then everything else you got to buy still. So. You know, it's really like a, a fancy $6 a month, like, sampler, like, try it before you buy a thing. And, mm-hmm. you know, on one hand, you can say 6 bucks is two comic books these days. Yep. So if you can find two, or if you can find three or more comics to read on Comixology in a given month that you otherwise would have paid for or not read, it's worth the money. So it's it's not, I mean, props for them starting at a, at a price that's not very onerous relative to buying comics. On the other hand, I mean, for for me personally, I'm not I'm not going to continue after the trial because it just doesn't offer me enough. Now, as I said on our Facebook page, I freely admit that a big part of why I'm saying that is because a I buy a shit ton of comics, like so I have a lot already, and and b we are very fortunate and we are provided with free copies of Dark Horse, Image, and Valiant per our statuses. Dark Horse podcast, yeah. Wait, what? Wait, when did we, wait, 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 what? When did we start getting Dark Horse? Like five years ago? Get the hell I'm out of here. Kidding. Dude, I never knew. You are retarded. So what do you, do, all, all right, all when we, sends us a link every week with the, with the downloads. But, 
<laughs> Seriously, no. Dude. I'm not. Maybe I'm not getting them. That is or, hilarious. What if? Well, I could start I gotta, forwarding it to you, or you could just yeah, please. To the list. <laughs> the hell? Oh my god, Shit. Dude, that's hilarious. It's not hilarious. It's friggin' sad. There, I ask, what there, there, there are listeners ask then, how is it that you read all these Dark Horse comics? I buy them. I'm sure you do. Anyway. I do. I'm sure you do. Well, either way, I have the opportunity of getting these all free legally provided Shit. to me by the publishers. So there's just not enough there for me, even at six bucks a month. But, you know, that being said, if I was a casual fan or a new fan, yeah, it's, it's probably more than worth it. And what I don't know is, are they planning on, like Marvel did at first, where it was very limited, and then over time they just kept adding to the catalog. If that's what they've got planned, then this thing's going to be absolutely worth it in 12 months. Um, but I'm not clear whether this is just a marketing loss leader type of thing, or if it's genuinely going to evolve into a situation where you pay a monthly fee like Netflix and you just get the majority of back catalog comics. I mm. doubt it's going to be that, only because, as someone else pointed out, it's one thing for Marvel or DC or Dark Horse to do that, but Comixology is just a distributor. It's, it would be the same as Diamond saying, "All right, pay us twenty-five bucks a month, and we're going to let you pick, you know, a hundred." You know, it's like they have to negotiate with each. Like in, in the case of Image, they have to negotiate with each creator. Like every creator owns the work, right? It's, it's they can't just make a deal with Image to say, "All right, give us all your books." Right. So, you know, I, I don't know what's going to become of it. There, in the first few days, there's been a lot of reasonably negative feedback from the creator end of things about how nebulous and undefined the royalty stream is for this. Um, That's very important. Yeah, it is. So so my, I guess my recommendation is try it. The tri- I mean, try the trial because it's free. But don't expect it to be this uh, answer to... An idea that people have long sought. I mean, I think since the day that Comixology launched, people hoped that we would eventually get to this idea where it'd be like a Spotify or a Pandora, where you pay and you can have anything you want. And I just don't see that becoming this. I don't see this becoming that for a long time of ever. Um, but your mileage may vary. You know, I mean, again, it depends on your reading level. If you if you read five comics a month, if that's your budget, then this is a no brainer, right? Because you probably have. There's probably thousands of comics in here that you've never read that you probably would enjoy reading, and you're good, right? So, right. Well, I still believe that digital comics are extremely overpriced. Well, it you know to your point, there's been a few times recently um, where I have bought some Marvel comics through Comicsology because Daff and I sometimes share the free the free Marvel you know the digital codes. And there were a few series where, like, we were missing, like, one issue. And to read this, so to read them, I went ahead and I went to Comicology and I, I went, like, right, I'm just going to buy each of these missing issues so we can just get caught up. And, uh, and I did it, but as you, as you alluded, I mean, it's, it's doubly strange to go in and do that when it's one thing to pay, like, I, like, as you know, I, I mean, in my mind, comics don't cost four bucks. They cost two bucks because. Right. I've bought from DCB service for at least, uh, I think at least 10 years, if not longer, uh, as my primary source of comics. So to me, like whatever a comic costs, I'm assuming 50% off of that is baseline. Right. So to go digitally and have to spend $4 for a digital comic when I'm used to spending $2 for a paper comic that I have in a bag and board that I keep forever, it's a strange thing. Now I did it because I, I was, I was willing to do that for these one-offs so we could just finish some of these arcs, but 
But yeah, it's you say it's hard. I mean, it's expensive. I mean, a new reader is suffering from that sticker shock that people complain about to go to an LCS. I mean, you know, you're going to drop twenty bucks on four comics, five comics, and uh, not many people have, you know, that much disposable income, especially if you're new to a hobby. So, um, which is why I think DC is smart for keeping the price point at two ninety nine, even though they're going to have to sell more comics to compete with their, you know number one competitor because Marvel's very reluctant to drop from that three ninety nine price point. Three ninety nine shit, I mean there's like like seven there's like like been like seven dollar comics the last few months. Like it's ridiculous. Yeah. I mean Marvel's quietly trying to make four ninety nine the new thing. No, that's not well, I mean it, it'll probably happen, but that's that'll be the day when I no longer buy Marvel. I, I cannot pay five bucks for a twenty page comic. It's, it's ridiculous. It's yeah. And, and and that is not a commentary on the on the creative side no, of it. No, no. The, these guys kill themselves to, to write, draw, pencil, ink, color these things, and they are they are very much um worth uh, they're they're earning their money. Let's just say that. Uh, it's, to me, digital comics are a byproduct of the process in which you go through to get these things printed. It costs the company zero extra dollars to distribute these things as digital files. You need to make a digital file, get them printed. Right. Right. The, so the physicality of the thing is the real comic for me. The digital is just like it's almost an afterthought. Sure. It's a, by, it's a byproduct, right? So to charge the same amount of money for something that's all gravy for you as as a as a, a company, it just doesn't like. Why can't digital comics be a buck ninety nine? Well, they could be, but they're probably correctly gambling that they can get even more margin here because people will pay it. And I guess they are, right? Well, yeah, proof's in the pudding, and people are paying for yeah. them. But I just not me. It ain't gonna happen. That's in. Nope. Hell no. Nah. If I don't have something I can put in a stack or put on my shelf, it's not real. It doesn't exist. Mm. I don't buy electrons. I buy paper. This summer, man, I'm paying my, I'm, tr- I'm, I'm trying to work it so I'm paying my kids to help me get 80% of my collection out of the door. What do you mean out of the door? Like gone, like somehow don't, like donated, sold. Well, all right. Before, before you do that, we must. We you must, got rid uh, of your paper. What do you? What do I got? No, I got. I got rid of the ones that I didn't. They weren't essential to my existence. That's some of you may. Stuff. You may. Yeah, you may have some stuff in there that is extension <laughs> essential to my right. existence. So, I mean, yeah, know. that's fine. I mean, I'm going to keep all of my collect. You know, my my high end stuff. But oh yeah, like I I would doubt that there uh, would be a single single issue of Avengers going out. Oh tomorrow. no 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 no. That's right. what I'm saying, yeah, yeah. right? But, I mean, you have made a lot of purchases where you didn't uh, particularly care for the book and I was all over it. There may be some of them in there. Well, it's, yeah, it's, it's more like just, dude, like you, like you, I mean, you know, I mean, I, tens of thousands of, of comics that I've bought that are worth 25 cents, right? I mean, that, I mean. That's, that's fine. I'll come to the house, help you lug the boxes out, and in between the time I get them out of the door to the vehicle that's taking them wherever they're going, I will look through every one of those boxes. <laughs> <laughs> A little mini con at my house. Shit. That's right. Yeah. It's, it's like Wild Pig it, it, over at Jason's. You look a pig. Uh, those were the days. Remember, we, we would oh. leave those, those Wild Pig stores with like those boxes early and boxes. Wild of pig books. stores, he had amazing inventory. 
Oh yeah, yeah. You know, I'll never forget. We're looking like they they would um, pepper. Yeah, little like bonus. Their, their, yeah. yeah, their inventory with 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 uh, key books, yep. right? And if you got them, you got them for whatever you know was the going rate, like a buck, two bucks. And um, I'm going through boxes, and the guy next to me, who was to my right, meaning the box that I didn't get to yet, pulled out uh, an amazing uh, 300. Yep. I'm like, you bastard. Motherfucker. I'll never forgive myself for selling that. Never. It's very easily re- re- regained, dude. It is, but, you know... I have the reprint. I, I it's it's not necessary, but it's okay, something that I would, yeah, necessary. I wouldn't I wouldn't mind having it back. Yeah, I know. All right, let's check the clock. Woo! I don't like doing. I mean, I had a great time with you, but something's missing when Dap is not here. No, it's weird. It feels weird. It's strange. It's very strange. You know, there'll, there'll be episodes where he doesn't really say all that much, but he's always in the background. Doesn't matter. Giggling, doesn't matter. chiming in. Yep, yep. And a lot, a lot of things I say just to get a rise out of them too. You say you know? things more often than get a rise out of me, I think. <laughs> me? No, <laughs> son. Uh, you heard, you heard, you heard. All right, everybody, thank you for being here with us. Please, if you would like to save money, and who doesn't, go to Discount Comic Book Service, DCBService.com, where you can get all your favorite comic books and collectibles at a mere fraction of their retail cost. There is no list of specials up yet, but rest assured, the discounts, when they do finally arrive, will be both deep and plentiful. Get there. DCBService.com. In your travels, I plan on talking about this series at length next week. So, if it's one of those little buried treasures that, you know... Many people have not read, and that is a crime, because it is one of DC's best series. Yes, I love this series. And it is Legion. And I'm not saying Legion of Superheroes, although it does... G-I-O-N with periods? Yes, yes. It does have ties to Legion. I love that series. Are you kidding me? I didn't even know you read it. Dude, come on. Man, it's been a long... We've been doing the show for too long. Dude, we talked about it on the show years ago. This, uh, this series is fantastic. Yeah, dude. And, then, and then we talked about, remember Legion Lost and Advent Landing and how it's so hard to find those issues and I finally found them. You have singles of those? Yeah. Shit. I'm keeping those, motherfucker. Oh, fucker. All right. Um, uh, Keith Giffen, Alan Grant. I love Barry it. Kitts. Yeah, I know. Um, Mark McKenna. Cover, covers by, um, Kevin McGuire. It is Lobo. Say no more, right? But I'm going to get into it next week with Jason and David. If you have not sampled this series and you have some way of doing so, I, I implore you to do it because it is awesome. The premise is rock solid. Yep. It, it it comes out, it's the, the fallout from the Invasion miniseries. It, let's just say it's the best thing to come out of Invasion. Yeah, I, that's a fair assessment, right? Yes. <laughs> it's not saying much, right? Mm-hmm. But, uh, Vril, uh, Vril Drox, Dox is one of the best the characters. Best. Very complex character. Love you want to hate him, you want to hate him, but there's, there's, he, he had, he works in mysterious ways. You know, ways. I always felt that, um, 
homeboy from Prison Break that's uh, playing uh, Mr. Uh, Cold now. Captain Cold now would have been great in that role. Oh, yeah. Yeah, cool. Yeah. And um, did I say Lobo? You did. <laughs> I love myself some Lobo. Who doesn't? Well, that's the pre-Flashpoint Lobo. But, I mean, there's so many great characters in this. Uh, Larissa, the Durlin is awesome. Um, is it, is it? Uh, <laughs> read it. Read Legion. Oh, and then we'll talk. I love Legion. That's all my shit. I didn't know. I didn't know. Um, and Lobo's in it. I'm going to do new travels preemptive as well to something that we're going to talk about next week so people can join in what? the fun. What's that? Um, talked about this as a webcomic. Now we're going to talk about it as a collected edition. Talking about our boy Daniel Warren Johnson's Space Mullet. Oh, I just got that in my box. One Gamble at a Time is trade paperback by Dark Horse. It uh, collects the first chunk of the web comic. And the cool thing about this is if you're like Vince and I and you just got the collected edition, you can read it like you would a comic. If you don't have the collected edition... But would like to play along with us next week? You can because it's a webcomic. You can just That's awesome. just go to just Google Space Mullet, and it will come right up. Or Daniel Warren Johnson, it'll come right up, and you can read as much of it as you'd like for free, or you can pick up the book because I want to support Daniel's efforts. It's written and drawn and everything else by Daniel. It's about a bunch of galactic space adventurers, pirates, like transport guys, uh, haulers, if you will. You got. Um, Jonah, who's the star, he's an ex-Marine, and he's buddy slash co-pilot is named Alpheus, and they uh, just get into wacky adventures. It's great. It's super, super fun, and uh, I uh, I can't wait to, to, to dive into the physical version, to your point. I've read a lot of the webcomic, but as you were saying, Vince, it's nice to have something physical in my hands. Yeah, physical. I page through it. The art is Oh, it's awesome. Um <laughs> It's uh, 208 pages, 7 by 10. It's a little bit smaller than normal size comic, but uh, meaty trade. It's 17.99 cover price. I think it'll cost you 11.99. And in stock trades, our our sponsor's sister site. So yeah, it's dope. Yeah, I believe that was a 50% off special. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. And also, I would say if you are going to any more cons this year, and Daniel's going to be a con. He is one of those artists that is still way too humble for his level of talent. And you can get an astoundingly beautiful commission from him for a ridiculously, insanely low price. Truth. Yeah. All right, everybody. Thank you for being here. We missed Dap. Dap will be back next week. He's going to be salty as a mug tomorrow. I know. How do we, how do we Oh, he's going to be mad at us. He's just going to be salty about no. life. No, I know, but we usually do the Say Goodnight David, and there's nobody to do it this week. Maybe we'd have I will. I will. I'll mix it up. I'll put a spin on it. No, no silence. Say good night, Jason. Good night, Jason. Oh, I think he's got somebody run for his money there. <laughs> Pretty good. Shit. All right, bye. We're out of here. Have a good, happy Memorial Day. Yeah, it's true. Be safe. Oh, 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 oh,